Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, where we equip men and women to be faithful in every aspect of life. This week, you will hear Rebecca Merkel's talk, Dangerous Woman as a Wife, from our audio collection titled, Dangerous Women. All right. Hello. Thanks for all coming. Um, as Donna said, I am Ben Merkel's wife, and um, Ben did a master's degree uh, years back when we were first married uh, in Anglo-Saxon stuff. Then later when we moved to Oxford, he was doing his PhD in something totally different, but wrote a book on the side about King Alfred, and it's all about Anglo-Saxons and Vikings and stuff. And I only bring this up by way of sort of apology slash explanation for the illustration I'm about to use. <laughs> because it's a bit Anglo-Saxon, but I live with someone who talks about that stuff. So <laughs> that's why. Um, okay, so the Anglo-Saxons, um, when they went into battle, they would form up this particular way. When they went to fight, usually the Vikings, um, they did fight other people, but primarily the Vikings. And they didn't just go in, you know, and start hacking away at people, and they didn't go in on horseback. They would go in in what was called the shield wall, and they would form up in this big line, and then they would advance like that. And if you think about it, you know, a shield, when you would go into battle, a shield will protect the front of you, but you're still vulnerable around the sides and the back. So they would link up and literally like, you know, intertwine themselves into this big wall. And they actually called it weaving. So they would weave themselves together. It's like a rugby scrum where, the, you know, they hook arms and the whole thing. Weave themselves into this wall and then they would have the shields across the front and then they could advance like that. So it was like a fortification, but you could actually move. And then the Vikings would do the same thing and then the two walls would advance and they would chop at each other over the top and stuff. And as long as the shield wall stayed um, firm, you were okay because the enemy was out there and you were back behind the shield wall. And if somebody died, then the guy in the back had to step in very quickly and fill that gap. And the moment that everything turned in the battle is when the shield wall broke. Okay, so if somebody chickened out or somebody ran away or somebody died and nobody stepped in and the wall broke, then the enemy would come in and that's when it was all over. Because now the enemy's not out there, the enemy is all back in your business, you know, where you're not protected. And so that's always the turning point in the battles. And if you've ever read the Battle of Malden, which is the Saxon poem that, yes, I have read. <laughs> Actually, we had to take a little pilgrimage to Malden when we were in England and read the poem to the children. And they had to act it out, you know, right there. And there's the Vikings and Judas the Viking and had the whole causeway thing and, you know. Mm -hmm. Little field trip. So, anyways, I digress. The point is, when the shield wall breaks, that's it. You're done. And um, so, so that's the the moment that it goes bad. And if you think about, like, if it was just a free for all, and then one person chickens out and runs off, well, that's kind of embarrassing for him. But it's not, you know, you didn't just defeat the whole cause. But in a shield wall, one person chickens out, and, the, and everybody pace. So running away is, is a much bigger deal at that point. And so it's, it's, it was a great tactic because you're all interwoven together, but at the same time you're dependent on everybody doing their job and staying where they're supposed to stay. And the reason I bring this up is because I think that um, the whole feminist thing and women being deceived 
by that, by just our modern conception of what women are supposed to do. I think women have been deceived and distracted and they've walked away from their place in the wall. And if you think about, you know, how families are woven together and churches and communities, um, it's the same thing. We're interwoven and we're dependent on each other. When, when women just bail and go off and do something else, it's, it's broken you know, how we're supposed to be linked together, and that's when the enemy can come in. So instead of keeping the enemy outside, we've let them in by being distracted. And like mom talked about being deceived, that's, that's the big thing, you know? We think, oh, there's something more important or more fulfilling or something a little awesomer or more glamorous that I could be doing over there. And so instead of staying where you're supposed to stay and doing what you're supposed to do, we get distracted and deceived and walk away from it. And so I think, there's obviously lots of things that could be said about the feminists or to the feminists, but quite honestly, I don't think that they're listening to me right now. I could say many things, but I don't think we're doing any good. Because I kind of suspect that the crowd I'm speaking to are not feminists and you're not actually chasing the corporate dream or whatever. Um, so it would be kind of silly, I think, to spend my time talking about that and what pitfalls you know, feminists might fall into because I don't think that's who we are. Probably most of you are just fine with the idea of headship and submission and you're fine with being stay-at-home moms and so you can sort of check that one off your list. But um, whenever you think smugly to yourself that at least you didn't fall in that ditch, you know you're probably about to pop into one of your very own. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> That's what I think we should talk about, okay? Given that we're probably a bunch of wives who are okay with the idea of submission and headship, fine with being stay-at-home moms, what is the thing that could trip us up? And what's the lie that could get us distracted and have us walk away from our place in the shield wall? And I think um, there, there are a bunch of dangers there because partly when you think you're doing it, then it's easy to just think like, well, don't have to think about that because, you know, I've got that covered. Um, so if we have to think about what pitfalls we might fall into, um, rather than just congratulating ourselves that we didn't fall into that one over there, um, where are the places that we're likely to be deceived and what are we supposed to be doing? And so the first thing is, what are we supposed to be doing as wives? And then we can talk about, you know, are we actually doing that thing? So we can assess then if we're doing it well or not doing it well. So what is the role of a godly wife? What are we, what are we supposed to do? And I think um, if you think about all through scripture, every time it talks about wives or duties of wives or just describes wives, like in Proverbs 31, etc., there are two things that stand out over and over. And one is submission and the other is fruitfulness. And so those are the two sort of the two things that seem to always get brought up together and, and seemingly not really connected. You know, like you're supposed to be submissive, you're supposed to be fruitful, but I don't think that they are two random things like, you know, rock climbing and goat cheese that just, <laughs> they just don't really pertain to one another. I think that they are actually really tightly connected and that is why those are the two things that are constantly brought up. And think about, um, you know, mom just spent a good bit of time talking about Eve and being deceived in the garden. But think about just the curse. What are the two things that God hit in the curse? He's, um, one is submission. Your desire will be to rule over your husband. And the other one is fruitfulness. There will be pain in childbirth. And so 
those are, those are the two things hit there. And then just think about the modern, you know, our modern conception of women and the whole feminist agenda and everything. What are the two things that they are so anti? One is submission. You know, submitting to your husband is quite shocking, very, very offensive. And then um, the other thing is fruitfulness. We've got a whole culture that is completely at war with fruitfulness, with the abortion and birth control and everything else. So the two things do go together. And so that's my question, I guess, for the talk is, what is the link between submission and fruitfulness? And what are we supposed to be? Uh, we're supposed to be characterized by both. And like mom said, fruitfulness is not just about how many children can you produce. Um, um, it's much bigger than that. So anyway, mentally, if you just go through all the scriptural passages, those are two, two big themes um, that come through. So submission. What is submission? And I think that um, probably the feminists actually understand it a little better than sometimes the people that think they're all about it and they're just fine with the idea and everything. Because the feminists hate it. I mean, they know that that's a horrible idea. That's dreadful. You'll lose yourself if you submit to your husband. And I think a lot of conservative women sort of think, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm okay with the Apostle Paul. He doesn't bother me. And, um, and so then we think we're fine, right? And then we go on merrily doing whatever it is we're supposed to do. Actually, I had a, a friend one time, and it was not about this, but it was something else. And she was, we were talking about um, reformed stuff, I think. And I uh, whipped out a Bible verse and read it to her from Romans or something, and she just goes, oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> it's like, well, at least we've got that honestly out there. I need to back up and talk about authority of scripture or something. But at least there was the virtue of honesty to it. Like, I don't care for that. And that's what the feminists are doing. But I think lots of times the conservatives think we've got it all together. And like, yep, Paul, we're all about it. Um, but I think that doesn't mean that you are a submissive wife, just because you're OK with you know, the idea. Um, so what is submission? It means um, to get under. Okay, literally it means to get under. So it means to surrender yourself. And I think we all know what submit means. Okay, you're supposed to submit yourself to your husband as to the Lord. Okay, so these are pretty, um, well, that's a tall order, actually. And I think that a lot of times we end up kind of gutting the word of, of what it actually means. And so for a lot of people, I think what they're thinking is, well, my husband gets the swing vote because there's just the two of us. So if it ever comes to the point where we disagree about where to go for dinner, then he will, you know, he gets to say because he's the husband or something, you know, or if he makes me, then I have to actually do something. Um, and I think that that's really a problem to think of submission like that because it makes it negative uh, just from the, from the get-go. It means that the only time it ever comes up is when you're at odds with each other. And, and it makes it into a negative thing. And it also, if you think about it, it means that if you have a happy marriage and you get along with your husband, you might never have to submit, which turns the whole thing on its head because we're supposed to be characterized by submission. It's not like only the really rocky, unhappy marriages is that an issue for. So submission should be something that characterizes us always, not just when you were having a little tiff and he gets that swing vote to break the tie. And I think um, a lot of times we end up kind of redefining it like that. And then um, and it guts submission of its actual meaning and turns it into a negative thing. And I think submission should be a lovely thing. And if you think of it that way, it turns it into a surly thing, 
where you're not getting your way, but oh well, he's the boss, so I have to do what he says. Um, and I think it makes it negative. Um, and if you think about it, okay, you are supposed to submit to your husband as to the Lord, which doesn't mean like, oh, okay, fine, if you make me, I will do it. Um, you're supposed to submit to him as to the Lord. And you think about submit means get under, surrender yourself all the way, your whole self, not just a little bit of you or, okay, I'll do what you say, but, you know, I'm reserving the right to disapprove. Um, you're supposed to submit all the way. Um, submit your whole self to your husband. And if that doesn't scare you out of your wits, then you have no idea what it means to submit. Okay, because it, it's terrifying, right? To think of actually giving yourself to your husband as to the Lord. And, and if it doesn't scare you, it means you're not understanding what it means. Um, and, and actually, if you think about the passage that says, um, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you are not afraid with any terror, it's like, why would that have to be brought up right now? Why would being afraid have to be brought up? Because it's scary. It's really scary. And if you, I mean, you know better than anybody else that your husband is a sinner, right? And you're thinking like, ah, I can't submit to that. He's, you know, he's got his issues. He's got sins. But um, you know better than anybody that he's a sinner, but God knows better than you that he's a sinner. And he still tells you to submit to that. And um, so, yeah, it should be terrifying. And it should be very scary to think of giving yourself to your husband like that all the way. And, and not just a bit of it, or I'm willing to wash your socks, but actually submitting your whole self to your husband. And so um, I think, think of a seed, okay? The word submit means, it means to, to get under, to put under. Um, think of planting a seed, okay? It has to go into the dark, muddy, cold ground where it's claustrophobic and very stressful, right? Um, and, but you have to put that seed into the ground if you want that seed to be any good for anything, okay? And so I think that that's kind of what submission is. You have to, you have to get under. You have to submit yourself. You have to be willing to go into the ground um, like a seed. But we all know what God does with seeds, right? You put a seed in the ground, and then it grows. And I think that that is the link between submission and fruitfulness, is that if you submit and you, you're willing to do that and lay it down and go into the ground, that God always brings fruit from that. And so I think that that's why those two things are connected. Like I was saying earlier, you know, they seem sort of, you know, like two totally separate things throughout scripture, but um, think of it that way. You get under, you go down, you, you put yourself, into the ground, you're willing to, to give it up and die because a seed has to die if it's gonna grow. And, um, and of course, this is a theme that we find over and over in scripture of death and resurrection. You put yourself under and then, and then God brings fruit from that. Um, so yeah, there are good reasons to be terrified. Seeds could be scared, but that's the only way uh, to the fruit. And honestly, even um, sexually, this is true. I mean, we see that in just, if you just limit fruitfulness to having children, submission, you know, you get under, you submit yourself to your husband. What does God do with that? He brings fruit from it. So I think constantly over and over through your whole marriage, not just sexually, submission brings fruit. It always does. Um, and fruitfulness is something that we are supposed to be characterized um, by as wives. And the thing is, is that it's easy to fake it, right? You could hang little styrofoam fruits out there so people could 
be snookered into thinking that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But true fruitfulness, the kind that God cares about, the only way there is if you put the seed in the ground. Okay, you can you can distract other people. Um, you can pretend that you're super productive and have lots of fruit, but God sees what's actually going on. And if you want fruit the way God wants you to have fruit, that's the only way, is through submission. Um, so anyway, like I said, if, it's, if it doesn't scare you, then you're not thinking about it. Um, and I think a lot of times you don't want to submit, you don't want to put that in the ground. We want to keep our seeds nice and dry and safe put them up on a shelf, right, where they won't get wet or um, messed up. And so when you try and hang on to your little seeds and don't let them, you know, don't let them get messed up or lost or you don't want to throw them away, you don't want to risk it, you put them up on a shelf, nothing will ever happen, okay? And it's only by losing them that you will get them back. Um, and so anyhow, even, even think of the verses about he who loses his life for me will save it. You know, he who seeks to save his life, you hang on to that seed, you won't put it in the ground because you're too scared of losing it, you will lose it. That's how God works always in the world. You hang on to it tight and then and it's gone. You lose it. The only way to keep it is by, um, by laying it down. So if you lose your life for me, then you will save it. So, so that's our job, is to lose, ourselves, lose our life um, for Christ. So put that seed in the ground. Um, that's the only way um, to save it. And, and this, this would obviously freak out every feminist and lots of Christians. It's it just, I mean, it's scary. And, and people would say, you know, don't you know that you, you will lose yourself, you'll lose your identity, you'll lose your purpose, you'll lose your meaning in life, you'll lose your worth, you'll lose everything. And that's the thing, you have to lose it if you want to get it back. Okay, but if you, if you hang on to those, if you grab it tight, that's the way to lose it completely. Um, so obviously the gospel is always backwards. The way up is down. The way down is up. You want to be at the front of the line, you go to the back. Jesus loves this. Okay, so when you, if you want fruitfulness, you have, to, you have to be willing to lay yourself down. Death is the only path to resurrection, right? And burial is the only road to growth. So if we're going to be characterized by fruitfulness, we have to go through the hard part first of being willing to submit. And like I said, I know I'm talking to a group of ladies that are, you know, in theory, we're fine with this. And um, we're probably not um, at odds with this, or you probably wouldn't be at this conference. Um, <clears throat> but like I said earlier, I think there's a lot of women who, who think that they're okay with this idea, but actually, you're just fine with it on paper, but when it comes time for the rubber to meet the road and you have to actually submit to old Bob or whatever, you don't want to. Or, or we have lots of ways of, of, you know, we put it in a different category in our mind and we're not thinking, you know, we think, yeah, we would submit if he ever actually made me do something, I would submit. But we have so many ways of making sure that he never does, right? There's lots of ways of talking yourself into thinking that you're being very submissive when actually, actually you're not. Um, and if you say, well, you know, he's, he's not making me do it, so I'm not being unsubmissive, then that just shows you have a wrong, <coughs> excuse me, a wrong conception of what submission looks like. If you're thinking, well, he didn't make me, so I don't have to, then you don't have a submissive attitude, okay? So you, you need to get under, you need to, to submit your whole self 
to your husband, as to the Lord, which means you don't hold anything back. Um, and like I said earlier, it's, it's, this should be lovely, and you don't want to turn it into something surly. You don't want him to have to arm wrestle you before he can make you do whatever it is. Um, so yeah, put that seed in the ground. And honestly, for every woman in here, it's going to be completely different. The thing that you have to let go of, the thing you have to lay down, is going to be completely different because God loves variety, right? I mean, the world is full of how many different varieties of fruit out there. And every woman's submission will look different, and every woman's fruit is going to look completely different uh, from one another. And um, the, the uh, seed that you put in the ground is going to be different, and it depends on where you put it, you know, which soil are you putting it into. That makes a difference, too. And you're all submitting to a completely different man. Or, you know, for you unmarried women, maybe later, you know, you're going to be submitting to different kind of man, so you should be getting uh, prepped for it ahead of time. And it sounds much, sounds much easier before you're married. It sounds like, oh, yes, that would be lovely. Um, but like I said, if it doesn't sound scary, then, then you don't actually understand um, what it is. Now, obviously, quick uh, clarification. I'm sure that everybody has got that little question mark, but what if he asks me to do something sinful? Or he's asking me to do it because he's sinful and he's got bad motives or he's got sinful reasons for asking it or, or whatever it is. So let's just talk about that real quick before we move on. Um, obviously, if he tells you to sin, you can't do that, right? We all know this. If he tells you to sin, you have to respectfully say, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't do that. Um, so that should go without saying. If he asks you to cheat on your taxes or he tells you that you need to lie to your sister about why you're not going over or something, you have to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. He, he doesn't have the authority to ask you to sin. So you have to be willing to draw the line there. But quite honestly, how many of you have your husbands on a regular basis telling you to sin? Probably not that often. Um, but I think what we like to do is we like to establish those little loopholes so that we can squirt through them. And um, <clears throat> so be honest. Is he really genuinely asking you to commit a sin? Because probably, my guess is, the point of friction is not going to be there. I mean, it does happen, obviously. And if it does happen, go talk to your pastor. Go get help if he's, if he's asking you to sin. Um, but the next thing is, a lot of times you don't want to submit because he's sinful, and we suspect his motives, and we think that he's in sin for asking that. And so we're not sure if we could be complicit if he's asking things for sinful reasons. But there's a big difference between him asking you to do something sinful and then him sinfully asking you to do something. Okay, Those are different, and you have to be able to distinguish in your own mind. You're not the Holy Spirit, and you don't have to worry about his motives in his heart. You have to do your job, and you have to worry about your motives in your heart. And um, lots of times, it's you, you just like I said, you want that loophole because you want to be, you want to have that that escape hatch, so you don't have to actually do what he says because you think that he might be sinning, and he might be, but you are definitely sinning. Um, and that's the person that you should be most concerned with. And it's easy to be very concerned about whether or not he is fully grasping all the nuances of holiness. Um, but God told you to do something, and he knew that your husband was a sinner, right? And it even tells us what to do if you're married to an unbeliever. You're still sub supposed to um, submit to your husband. Okay, and those situations are hard. Okay, the, the ones where it's, I mean, obviously, unhappy marriages 
are very common. And, and so those situations are rough. And if you're in a situation like that, you're going to have a hard time and you're going to need lots of grace and lots of prayer. Um, but for the most part, if you have, you know, both of you are walking with the Lord, you're, you, you're probably not in one of those predicaments. And like I said, if it's, if it's bad, you go get help. Um, but if you are just a nice Christian family and you get along well, um, most of the time <clears throat> when you don't feel like doing what he wants, it's because you just don't feel like it, right? You just don't want to. And so that's because you don't want to. It's not because there's this big principle at work. It's not because you really are that concerned about holiness. It's because you just don't want to do it, right? And he's asking you to do something that you don't care for at all. Um, so that's where you need to stop and ask yourself, do you really believe this stuff or do you not? The feminists have the virtue of honesty, okay? They say, hmm, I don't like that, and I'm not going to do it. And the thing that's bad is if you're acting like that, but you're saying that you're doing something else. So you have all the sin of the feminist with a little side helping of hypocrisy also. Um, so anyway, at least they have the virtue of honesty. Um, now, the thing is, if you think about the seed that goes in the ground, every situation is different. Every man is different. You are different than your sisters um, in Christ. Every situation is going to be different. And that means that the fruit is going to be completely different. And if you realize that the fruit comes from submission to a particular man, um, you should be able to see that the same virtue can produce two completely different results. Okay, so if, if you can have two women submitting in a godly way to their own husbands, and you can have fruit that is 180 degrees off from each other, and both of those things are what they should be doing because they're submitting to their own husband. So just hypothetically speaking, let's talk about someone who is, for instance, um, a big-time couponer. Okay, imagine this. You've got a husband who hates it. Okay, it's like we have enough money. Can you stop already with the couponing? And it, it takes way too much time, and he's embarrassed to stand with you in the checkout line. <laughs> and he doesn't care for it at all. But you've got a wife who is going to do it because, by golly, I have to be a good steward, or whatever it is. Or they're doing it to impress all the other ladies or to impress the other shoppers, or so that they can put up on their Facebook, save $27 today on the toothpaste. Okay, and you, you can have a husband who would like his wife to give it a rest on the couponing. And for her, to submit to her husband means to just let go of it. Okay, he doesn't like it, just let go of it. Now picture another couple where the husband has got a wife who spends way too much. She's all, always overspending. He needs her to cut back. He needs her to be on a budget. She should start clipping some coupons. Okay, she needs to submit to her own husband and realize that every situation is different. And um, those two fruits could look complete. I mean, they're opposites, right? One lady needs to give it a rest with the coupons and one needs to get some coupons out. Okay, um, but you, sh you should see that in both of those situations, they're both submitting to their own husbands, but the fruit looks completely different. And the problem is, is that then they start comparing to each other and thinking, well, she isn't being a very good wife. And, you know, on and on. But the thing is, don't look sideways, okay? You just look at what you're supposed to do, and God knows your circumstances, and he's the one that you're supposed to be worried about, not the person in line next to you or not the people who are going to be so impressed on Facebook. Um, and you could have the one wife who she's got her little status thing of how much money she has saved, 
and what a good steward she is. And you've got the other wife who spends way too much because she needs to always look a certain way and she has to be dressed well and you know everything else. But if, if you realize that you, you answer to your own husband and to God, um, and those fruits could be different. Um, you could have one wife who needs to quit going to the salon all the time. You know, like her husband needs her to just stop with that. And you might have another wife who says husband would like her to try a little harder, you know? <laughs> Maybe go to the salon, okay? So submission to your husband is gonna look different than submission to a different one, all right? And so you can have completely different fruit. And both of them can be, um, fruit from the same thing, which is submission to the husband. You could have a wife who needs to work harder on keeping the house clean. Her husband would really like it if she would pay a little more attention to the house and keep it a little nicer. You could have another husband who's like, give it a rest on the house cleaning. We just want to, you know, be able to walk through the house without getting yelled at, whatever. Um, so submission to your husband is going to look different than submission to a different husband. And you can't look at other women and understand their circumstances and, and judge them for their fruit because you need to worry about yours. Just keep your eye on the ball on what you've got to be doing. Um, you could have um, a husband who needs his wife to stop worrying about her weight, constantly worrying about her weight. He just wants her to give it a rest. You could have another one. You need to start worrying about your weight because your husband would love that. Okay, so the fruit is different, but you have to realize that, that it comes from the same thing. Maybe your husband would love you to have another baby. Maybe he would like you to not have another baby. Okay, submission to your husband looks different than your sister's submission to her husband. Um, and you need to stop naming your virtues independent of your husband, okay? Because lots of times we have this idea of what a perfect wife looks like sort of out there in the void. And you're working on checking off all these lists and lots of times it's, it's completely um, all about other women. It's all about what other women think a good wife should be like or, you know, all of my friends can so I need to get going on canning or, you know, all of my friends coupon or, or whatever it is. But you have to stop naming your virtues independently of your husband because that's what matters, is what he wants you to be doing and how he wants you to be fruitful. Um, right, I think a lot of times uh, <laughs> women do, do a lot of the things they do purely for the other women. Not, I mean, it's like, who cares about husband? I'm doing this for the blog post or I'm doing this for everybody to be so jealous of my amazing submission skills. Um, <laughs> Right? Because we want to look a certain way. And if you think about it, it's tying styrofoam fruit on. I mean, it's like you're trying to, you're doing it for everybody else out there, and it's a great big fake. Because if you were genuinely fruitful, you would be submitting to your husband and doing what he would like you to do, which is whatever, fill in the blank. Be willing to say, yeah, okay, I won't have another baby, or I will have another baby, or I'll quit with the coupons. Um, whatever. So every seed goes into different soil, and your soil is your husband, okay? So you do what um, he wants you to do. And the thing is, you cannot compare fruit. Hopefully you're seeing this. Um, I love the, um, the image of fruitfulness because all fruit looks completely different. You cannot compare a stalk of wheat, like a beautiful, fruitful, bountiful stalk of wheat, to a bean plant. It's just, it's going to look completely different. Right? You can have a stalk of wheat that's just 
it's small, but it's really well organized, right? It's just every kernel is in the right place, and it's, you know, it's symmetrical, and it's, everything's tidy and tight, and it's great. And then you've got a bean plant squirting out beans every which way, and you think that you've got them, and then there's a whole heap more under there. Um, you can't compare them. You can't say, well, the beans should look more like you know, they should be organized a little better. Or you can't say, look at that kernel is just tiny compared to the giant runner bean over here. Or whatever, you can't say, there's only 12 kernels of wheat here, but there's 8,000 beans. You can't compare it. You have your own job to do, and your seed is going to grow your kind of fruit, and you need to not be looking sideways at, at other people. You can't compare yourself. Um, and I think if, if you are comparing yourself to other women, it's either out of pride because you're pretty pompous about your beans, or it's out of envy, because you're really just wishing you were a bean plant, but you're not. You're a wheat, and so, you know, yours is gonna look different. And so when you look sideways, you look at other women and what they're doing, you're either comparing yourself out of pride or envy, unless you're doing, like Mom said earlier, just getting, like, oh, good idea. You're learning from each other, but that's different than comparing your fruit and always watching to see if her house is a little bit cleaner, or she's really good at the laundry, or, you know, whatever. She saved $27. Um, when you're doing that, it's either to be smug or it's to beat yourself up. And neither one of those is productive. And the thing is, when you do this, think of the shield wall thing earlier. It's like you totally get distracted and just wander off and, and do something else. And, and your job is to stand here, submit to your husband, and do what he wants you to be doing, not trying to be, you know, your friend down the road who has a big garden and, it's, and you don't, or whatever. Um, the other thing is, okay, you can't compare different kinds of fruit, but the other thing is you can't even compare one tomato plant to another tomato plant. Okay? You might think, well, yeah, but she's very similar to me and I should be producing, you know, like she is, or she should be producing a lot more like I am. You know, whatever it is, um, you, can't, you can't compare them because honestly, it depends on a lot of other circumstances, okay? If you think about one scraggly little tomato plant that's got three little sort of pitiful leaves and one sorry tomato, okay, you've got that one. And then you've got this big, beautiful, lush, amazing one with six giant tomatoes on there. And we would look at that and we'd think, well, clearly we can see who's more fruitful. But the thing is, if you step back and realize this one's growing in a little crack in the Walmart parking lot, right? One tomato is pretty darn good. And, you know, this one is growing in this beautifully protected corner of the garden that's been composted for the last 20 years. They should have more than six. You know, and if you think about the the um, widow's mite, God sees things differently than we do. It's not about whether you're producing as much as she is, or whether your fruit looks like hers. It's between you and God, and He knows whether you're doing what your husband wants you to do, or whether you are busily doing your own thing and pretending it's because you're a submissive wife. <clears throat> so, don't compare yourself with with others. We don't see the whole story. But God does. And sometimes, you know, you have got the, uh, the one who thinks she's pretty productive and she's looking down her nose at that little one over there. And we'll find out later that this one was the one that was honoring God and being productive. And you should have come up with a whole lot more fruit than you did. Or those were pretend fruits. We'll find out in the end. Um, so God can see that the little scraggly one is actually 
the most fruitful of all. Or he might say, yeah, well, scraggly one should have tried harder. Um, <clears throat> but God knows the story, and you're not responsible for what other people are doing, and you don't need to compare yourself. Um, right, so don't compare yourself in pride or in envy. So think about the things that your husband would like you to do, not the things that you think you would be doing if you were a good wife, because that's different, right? We have this little image of that perfect wife out there, and if I was a, if I was a perfect wife, I would be this, that, and the other. And like Mom was saying earlier, there's that, there's that vague, you're such a lousy person, is not specific, okay? And we have that, we, we sort of compare ourselves to that perfect ideal wife in the sky, and we think that we would be, you know, whatever, naming off all of these virtues. But like I said, don't name your virtues aside from your husband. What would he like you to work on? What would he like you to be doing? And quite honestly, it's probably that thing that you're trying not to think about right now. You're trying to really not think about it. Don't. It's like, you know, humming, humming, humming. I'm not going to think about the laundry because that's not the point. And maybe it is the point. You know, maybe whatever it is that your husband, you know he would like you to work on, and you're not doing it for whatever reason, because you're worried about what you would look like to your friends, or you're worried about not living up to your own personal you know, ideal of wife. But what, what does he want you to do? Your husband, not somebody else's husband, but just yours. Would he like you to you know, quit going to the gym all the time? Then you should stop. Or would he like you to maybe join the gym? Then maybe you should. Um, so. Um, things that you refuse to think about, all right, and you know that it's out there, but you just you just don't let your mind go there, right? Because you don't want to. You don't want to submit on that thing. You don't want to let go of that thing because that's your little that's your little pet, and and he doesn't like it. But you think that it's for his own good. You're doing this for his own good, um, or you're trying to bring him along, or whatever. You have to realize that this is the thing that women struggle with: is not submitting to their husbands. And we can redefine it all sorts of ways in our own head, so we think that we're being very submissive, and it's for his own good, and he'll, and he'll learn to see eventually. No, you're supposed to drop it, and you're supposed to put the seed in the ground, okay? Submit, let go, and then wait and see what God will do with it. So it could be really little things, really little ones. Like, does he maybe want you to go have Christmas with his family this year, and you're being a stinker about it? Or um, he can't bring it up because he knows what will happen, or whatever. If just whatever it is that you're hanging on to that you don't want to give him that. Um, so has he asked you to stop drinking so much coffee, or whatever? And you think yeah, I can't. I physically cannot stop drinking so much coffee. Um, or he doesn't understand, or whatever it is. What is it that he would like? You have to drop it and put it in the ground and then trust that God is gonna do something with it. Um, so has he asked you to have another baby? And you won't, you will not, 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 not. Or um, has he asked you to be done with having babies, but you have to have more because she's got more. Um, the thing is, it's not about that, okay? It's about what your husband has asked. Um, has he asked you to maybe think about homeschooling? And you won't. You won't do it. Can't, can't, can't. Or has he asked you to stop with the homeschooling and you won't because you're really convinced that this is what you've got to be doing? Um, has he asked you to learn to make bread? Like, you know he would love it if you learned to make bread and you won't do it because whatever. 
Or has he asked you to just quit with the bread? Just buy the silly bread, you know? And you won't because you got to keep up with her down here and she grinds her own wheat. Um, and the thing is we're constantly comparing ourselves to, to the other fruit. But the thing is she might be a bean plant, okay? And you can't compare your rutabaga to that. Um, so yeah, has he asked you to cut back on your spending? And you need to be willing to do it and you've got all these things, but I have to, you know, he doesn't want me to look like an old hag. Um, but has he asked you to cut back on your spending? Or has he asked you to stop worrying about money all the time? Okay? So whatever it is, you have to do what your husband wants and not what you think he ought to want or what you, you know, your friend's husband wants. It's never really your friend's husband. It's always your friend. It's always other women. We're always doing it for the other women. And, uh, and pressuring each other too, right? Like, think of all those, you know, the internet is awesome. It's full of, you know, guilt tripping each other about if you were fruitful like me, um, and then we have lots of little fake photos and stuff. <laughs> this is our family worship time this morning, or whatever. You know, like we try and guilt trip each other. We try and make everybody else see how fruitful we are, and and we're doing it. We're doing it for the audience, right? And the audience is generally other women who think that you ought to be grinding your own wheat or whatever it is. But just think about your husband, not all the other women. And. Um, I would also like to say, don't, just don't go home and ask your husband, what do you want me to change? I'll, I'll change anything. Because he probably knows better than to answer that. Okay? Because you might go home and say, I promise, I promise, I will listen to whatever you say. Just tell me what you want me to change. And then he says, and you go, no, not that. I thought you were going to say whatever. Because we have this little image in our mind of what we think the ideal wife would look like and what the fruit would look like. Um, so don't go home and do that. I bet you you know the answer. Okay? If you know him, you probably know something that you could start with. And it might be really little. And it might be really, really big. I don't know because everybody has their own, their own story. And it might be just something like, yeah, I need to, you know, grocery shop more often so there's food in the house. Maybe it's, you need to go home and say, I'm really sorry for whatever. And yes, I'm willing to have more kids. Or it might be huge, or it might be really small, but I think that you probably know what it is because you know your own husbands. And um, yeah, like I said, don't go home and bring it up because he's been well-trained, I imagine, to not say those things. And you have to realize that if that's the sort of situation you're in, then you are not being a submissive wife, even if you're all cool with male headship and, yes, obey was in your marriage vows. Um, but we like to, we like to redefine it and, and think that on paper, yeah, we can check all those things off because we're, you know, we're conservatives. Um, but actually, I bet there are things for everyone. I bet there are things that you know he would really like it if, whatever, fill in the blank, and you just like, ugh. I don't want to. But the thing is, that's where you put the seed in the ground. You just, you have to be willing to die. You have to be willing to drop it and drop your little pet thing. Maybe it's the coupons. Or maybe it isn't. Maybe it's the wheat. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> grinding your own. But you have to be willing to drop it and put the seed in the ground and then trust that God will do something with it. And if you want to be that, um, you know, the wife in the Psalms, the, the vine with fruit abounding, then you have to be willing to die first if you want to be that. Okay, thanks. 
Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the All of Christ for All of Life podcast. That was a message from our audio collection titled Dangerous Women. If you'd like to hear the rest of the talks, you can purchase them at canonpress.com.